communion today. You can take any bread, crackers, whatever you've had. I have used these. They are simply emblems. Um, and I, I've had to use as I travel in, around the world. Sometimes I haven't got bread. I've had to use sugar. <laughs> Just something as an emblem and water or milk. So it doesn't really matter. Of course, I like to use something as most respectful as I can. But just get any uh, fluid you have in your house. If you haven't got that, don't panic. Just prepare something. And at the end of this meeting, I can't think of a better way to exit this year than with thanksgiving and a reminder, I am dependent on the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. Do you know what, guys? You're not going to heaven. None of you, none of you can enter heaven without the body and the blood of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. Amen. You can't do it. You can't, it's, it's not possible. If it was possible, God would not need it. It wouldn't have been necessary to send his Son. The death of Christ on a cross is the most unthinkable thing. That is, you could never even imagine that such a thing would happen. It's beyond comprehension. That's how grotesque that occurrence is. But it was necessary. Absolutely, if there was any other way. Father, if this cup, is there any other way? They're going to hell. Is there any other possible? No. You need Jesus Christ. You need his death and his resurrection. What can take away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. So here we are on the brink of what a privilege to live in these days. What a privilege it is to what a selection God has made. I could have been alive in the 1500s or in the year 600 or whatever, but God chose to trust you. God trusted you with end times responsibilities. That's a massive, that's a massive consideration, a real consideration. Treasured thing to be trusted to be alive and to be a witness, a proper witness, an authentic witness. A truthful witness, an honest witness to him in these last days. Did you ever get off on the wrong foot in a relationship? Maybe you started a new job or you met a new friend or joined a new church. And maybe you go in and you say hello to someone and it just doesn't connect and they misunderstand you and you misunderstand them and the whole thing just, it just goes, it all unravels before your very eyes. And very often someone will interject and say, uh, uh, excuse me, can we just go back to the beginning and start our relationship all over again? I think we got off on the wrong foot. That's how I feel a little bit about 2020. <laughs> I think uh, any chance we can start this over again? And uh, No. There isn't. Time doesn't work that way. But what we can do is you can reboot. That's what you can do. You can actually start again, as it were. I love New Year's. I love the, the markers that God himself put in, in place for us to follow. They're almost like a gift. He gives you these markers. It says that in Genesis, the times and the seasons were set up by God. 
giving you a fresh opportunity. His mercies are new every morning. And we've got a morning coming up here as we cross over into a new year. I don't know about you, but I need a new start. I need a new beginning. I believe for better things ahead. I believe in a good God. And he can surpass my past. He can do better than that. That's my fault. <laughs> I, I believe that God can do, that the glory on the latter house can be greater than the glory on the former. That's what I believe. I just got to cooperate with him. You know, I'm very glad to say, if you look at scripture, you're going to see that most, if not all, I'm tempted to say all, but most biblical characters, do you know their lives? It has part one and part two. Has a, has a beginning and then something happens, which I'll come to in a moment. There's a change point. There's a crossover point. And then part two. And in scripture, I'm delighted to say, in nearly every case I'll show you today, the second part was far better than the first part. <laughs> much, much, much better. Lessons were learned. He's a good teacher, huh? can be hard, but he's a good teacher, good shepherd, good father. And he knows how to orchestrate my life to bring me to brokenness, bring me to a point of change. I worked with heroin addicts for three years, almost full time. I was assistant pastor in a church at that time, and we had a a rehab come drop. In fact, we had two rehabilitation groups working within our church. It was in Dublin. So my days and nights, literally nights, because we did cold turkey in our building, which I often supervised. My days and nights were full of men and women who were on a cycle. A cycle of defeat. A cycle of defeat. Every time you talk to them, they want to start again. But I don't know if I can I want to start again, but I don't, when I start again this time, I don't want it to be like the last time, Pastor Mike. I've started again so many times. And you know, many people commit suicide. Many of the people we knew killed themselves, people we were working with. And normally it was the same thing that would drive them. They couldn't believe in another start. Well, I tried so many times. I've tried so many times. I can't believe anymore. I can't believe anymore. Maybe other people can do it, but I don't believe in me. We're working with someone at the moment. <coughs> and I think just after ministering with him and talking with him over the last few months, we've just managed to get him to go back. I think this is time number 12. His 12th visit to a residential rehabilitation unit. And it's just because he's ready to give up. You know, in scripture it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. When Christians lose hope that they can change, they start to get sick. Hope deferred. I hoped that I would be better. I hoped that things would change. There would be a new day, a new start. It is a very dangerous and unnecessary thing to lose hope. So I saw firsthand and with great, great pain, personally, the result of people who get locked in a cycle and they always want to have a fresh start but somehow they can never get their act together which I will explain today in order to begin again 
They never quite get that part right. The second area that I see repeated cycles is in marriages. And through lockdown, we've probably done more marriage ministry than I've ever done. Uh, most of that private, just on Zoom, like this. <laughs> because it was incredibly difficult for people. And marriages, the, 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 the hardest marriage to rescue is the marriages that think, what's the point in trying again? What's the point? You said that last time. That's what you promised me last time, remember? People give up hope. Not a lot of difference, you know, between these struggles and heroin, by the way. Not a lot of difference. Just a different scenario. But it's the same loss of hope. It's the same lack of belief. It's the same very limited view of God. Or you've got people in business, you know, they start a business and it fails. So they start another one and that fails. And you get, you get a cycle with people. Round and round and round in circles. Remind you of anybody? <laughs> round and round and round in circles. 40 years round and round and round. Do you get the picture? And then you got people in ministry. Most of my closest friend, friends are pastors. But many of them left, you know. <laughs> many of them, they, they, they mess up somehow in, in, in ministry and, and they're gone. And that's very sad to me because I, I just don't believe it's necessary. So you visit people and say, I hear you're not pastoring anymore. You're not worship leading anymore. You're not whatever it is. Well, why? And they say, oh, well, look, you see, I messed up, man. And, you know, it, in, in one sense, it makes me angry. Because <laughs> I think, well, we all mess up. Everybody messes up. You think you have the luxury of, 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 of walking away from the battle? We're at war here, friend. Dust yourself down, put your armor on, and get back to the fight. I've messed up. 10,000 times. It doesn't mean I can resign or walk away. I have to learn from my mistakes and make a fresh start. And I believe that. I believe in that. But not everybody does. There's the point. Not everybody does. Some people run out of belief in this. And that can have tragic consequences in marriages. Tragic consequences in business and ministry and just in lives. And after observing it, you know, for me there seems to be two camps of people. The ones who are just endlessly repeating the same old cycle and cannot ever seem to get that genuine fresh start. And then there's another camp who at some point, ding, Eureka, I got it, I see, I see. I can start again. It is possible for me. And I don't know which camp you're in, but I want all of us to move into that second camp. I want all of us to know that God is reaching out to you today to give you that hope, to give you that future. And I want you to believe it, even if it's new, or to refresh that belief within you. Working with people, you realize there are certain mental limitations shall we say or there's certain beliefs that they are holding that prevent them from making that new start myths myths false beliefs fairy tales you know what the first one is well i'm older now so i'm wiser now <laughs> well you may be older <laughs> you may be older but older doesn't equal wiser no sorry 
Oh, but you see, well, I lost my business and now I'm so much white. Uh, no, not necessarily. I got divorced and now I'm, now I'm wiser. No, not necessarily. Experience does not make you wiser. Experience does not make you wiser. That's why people with many experience repeating the same thing over and over again. The, the only thing that's going to make you wiser is evaluated experience. Evaluated experience. Making an assessment of how you got wrong. Let me use debt as an example. You often end up doing debt counselling. But someone will go out and they'll spend money they don't have. They get themselves in financial trouble and they, they come for prayer and oh, what was I thinking about? You know, I didn't need a Lamborghini. Why did I buy it? You know what I mean? They do something crazy. What, and you know what? You know the very next minute, you know what they'll do? The same thing. They'll do the same thing. So, the experience, if you think experience makes you wise, you're very mistaken. Some of the guys putting a needle in their arm, were putting, they were the most experienced people at putting a needle in their arm. <laughs> the experience doesn't teach you anything. Really, not unless you stop and you make an assessment of that, an evaluation of that. It's evaluated experience that gains me wisdom. Same in relationships. Round and round we go. What A girl will choose a bad guy, the wrong guy, you know. Excuse me, that's the wrong guy. And then everything falls apart. What was I thinking of? What will she do next? Another wrong guy. And then another wrong guy. And then another wrong guy. And you see the same cycle. And all the time... These men and these women who have repeated mistakes, they always say, oh, I've learned so much. But you sit there, mm, silent, thinking, no, you haven't. <laughs> no, you haven't. No, you haven't. When you, when you have truly learned, you're not going to speak the way you speak. You're not going to speak like that. You, you, you would be a changed person. So I want you to think about your story and think about our story and how God has... Mm -hmm endlessly his mercies new every morning has, has offered me that daily invitation and now more than any day this year coming up you have this crossover time and I would ask you to accept the fact that all the experience in the world ain't going to gain you wisdom <coughs> unless you evaluate it under a biblical spotlight with the help of the Holy Spirit the second myth I see is that people believe they, just, they don't see the need to change their thinking. The thinking that got you in a mess the first time is the same thinking that's going to get you in a mess the second time. I don't believe it's possible. I think the Apostle Paul states that. It's his great conclusion in Romans. Therefore, does everybody understand? You can only go into the new beginning. You can only start again. You can only go forward by the transformation of your mind. Therefore, you can only be transformed, your soul, your mind, through the transformation of your thinking. Easier said than done. What? The older we get, the more experience we have can be your greatest enemy, your greatest enemy. Jesus never leaned on his experience. He said, I do nothing, based on experience, I do nothing except what I see the Father do. Excellent, excellent. He knew where experience should be pigeonholed. Yeah, he knew where to put it. Don't rely on that. 
Don't rely on that. You'll get misled. Experience can really hold us up and stop us because we think we have no, now we know better. Well, know better doesn't equal doing better. <laughs> Knowing better doesn't equal doing better. No, it doesn't. So I need to understand that a proper evaluation has to be made of 2020 of me, my business, my relationships, my ministry, my relationship with God. I need to do a proper evaluation. I probably need to change a lot of my thinking because the same thinking is just going to get me back in the same hole again. I'm just going to be like the, all the rest of the people going round in circles. You know, this was Moses' problem. Such a great leader, Moses. But as he was getting older, he got stuck. When the Hebrew people were in the wilderness, they were starting to die of thirst. There was no water. So Moses cries out, God, you've got to help me. And God speaks to Moses. He says, gather all the people, Moses, so they can all see that this is me working a miracle. Gather the people. And when they're gathered, strike the rock. And I will release water. And that's what happened. And that's called an experience. So then years go by and Moses finds himself in exactly the same position. Everybody's dying of thirst. Lord, help me. And God does speak, except God says, speak to the rock, Moses. Now comes the problem with experience. Moses thinks back, speak to the rock the last time. I No, that's not necessary. Now, he struck the rock based on his past experience. And my point in saying this do you know how severe the judgment was? He was supposed to go into 2021. He was supposed to have a new beginning in the promised land. But God said, you're not going in. You're not going in because you're stuck. You're refusing to reboot your thinking, Moses. And I ask you, when are you ready to make an evaluation, guys? This is the conversation we've had with so many people addicted to heroin it's it's a hard conversation but it's not just heroin it's you it's your growth your development as a christian when are you going to make an evaluation of yourself when am i going to renew my thinking and the third big myth or a, a, a blockage i see when it comes to people who can't start again it's unforgiveness. It's not being able to forgive people. And you re the reason I've seen this is because when the real problem kicks in, up it comes. Oh, they did this. Oh, they did that. Oh, they did this. You don't hear anything for maybe a year or two. But as soon as the crisis arrives, oh, it's their fault. <laughs> and you realize, ah, all this time there was unforgiveness in you. Let me say this. If you want the next time to be better than the last time, if you want the next time that you begin again, the next time that you start again, if you want the next time to be better than the last time, then you're going to have to let them go. You need to let them go so that you can move on. And you could say, well, Pastor Mike, I, I don't have any unforgiveness. Okay, who do you speak badly about? Who do you speak negatively about? That's probably a person you're holding unforgiveness with. Not difficult to tell, you know. Who, do you, who, who crops up? Who is that? And you need to get that out of your heart. The fourth thing I see is a failure to make 
a proper decision. And I can't emphasize this, can't emphasize this enough. You know, two of the guys who walked into our rehab in Dublin with one of our workers there, Frank Cochran, two of the young men, one of them was a crazy addict. Today, he's the pastor of our church in Belfast. <laughs> His name is Jason Smith. He's probably out there. Jason is the pastor in Belfast. Jimmy Dunn is the pastor in Dublin. Both of them came through the program. But of the hundreds and hundreds of people that I can remember, I remember one distinct facet in both of these men. Do you know what it was? I have made a decision. You could feel the power of the decision. So strong... I remember Jason. Jason was crazy. Sorry, Jason, don't be offended, but it's true. <laughs> he was robbing banks and all sorts of stuff. He was really out of control. Um, but the strength of that man's decision, this is about 20 years now. Now he's married, wife, two kids, pastoring a church many years. Incredibly stable. Decision. I've made a decision. And that, there's no turning back from that. You know, I did two marathons. I hurt my hip, so I can't run much. But I did two half marathons. That's 21 kilometers, by the way. It's a long way. It's a, it's a long run when you're carrying a few kgs that you shouldn't be carrying. You know what I mean? But do you know what makes you finish that? The decision. I learned that doing the you know, 5Ks and 7Ks and 10Ks. You learn what makes you finish the race. It's your mindset. It's sports mentality. It's your mind. I have decided that this is what I'm going to run. And it's not, it's, you, you, your body's going to scream. It's going to complain. But it's a case of mind over matter in that situation. No, I, I, this is a commitment I've made to myself. There's great power in decision, you know. And you need to believe that God is good. Believe that he's inviting you into a way forward, a new beginning that can be better than the last time. Quit. Stop looking back at the last time. Like Moses. <laughs> Stop basing your, your faith on that experience. Something Jesus never did. Keep your eyes on God. Not your history. Dust yourself down. And believe again. But my fifth point, and it's my biggest point, my final point. You need to take your time. <coughs> And what I mean by that is, this week I was looking at the biblical characters. You know, I asked myself the question, who in the Bible had a new beginning? <laughs> Everybody. And then you just look at the, at, at the technicalities of it. They had the first half, then there was a gap. Right? And then they had the second half. Now the interesting part for me, this week just studying this, the length of the gap. The gap in nearly every case is too long. The people would, would have been driving people, you know, Moses. Okay, Moses has 40 years, prince of Egypt, and then he kills the Egyptian. And what happens next? 40 year gap. Now, do you think Moses is comfortable with a 40 year gap? I don't think so. I think Moses would have been saying, My life is being wasted. All these years and years going by. But those years were necessary before Moses could begin again. Before Moses could start again. Otherwise, the next time would have been just like the last time. 
You're just going to repeat the same old thing over again, Moses. So when you're cooked, when you're done, then we'll be moving on. And in Moses' case, that was four decades. Wow. But look at what comes out of Midian. After 40 years in Midian, that ruthless, self-seeking prince who killed the Egyptian determined to do this my way. (laughs) And look at what comes back. Very humble man. Meekest man in all the earth. Very humble man. And a person with enormous focus on their destiny. Moses went into the gap. It determined to do things his way. Not really related to God in that submissive sense. But when he comes out of his gap, his 40 year gap, I see humility, brokenness. This is not about me. This is about me serving God. That's what it's about. Brokenness, humility, and destiny. I see exactly the same thing in King David. His gap was between 8 and 12 years, by the way. He was in the palace. He's there with Saul, and he gets kicked out and ends up in Cain, Adullam, and all that stuff. That was about an 8 to 12-year gap. But look at the returning David. (laughs) He's humble. He's humble. He's a different character. Now, I think David, probably a young man, is not happy with eight eight years of my life have been wasted. Everybody else is moving on and I'm stuck. Look at Joseph. Bombastic, pompous Joseph. And then comes the gap. In his case, 14 years in prison. Long time, huh? Long time. Look at the Joseph who went into the prison, who went into the gap. First half, gap. And look at the Joseph who comes out. You hardly even read. Is that Joseph? Humbled. Humble. Knowing his destiny. Knowing now the purpose of it all. You meant to kill me. God intended it all for good. Look at the Apostle Paul. Road to Damascus experience and then bang, disappears for 13, 14 years to Arabia. Doesn't tell us what he did. But he had to reshape his whole mind and his whole thinking once again. Look at the Paul that disappears and look at the one that comes back. (laughs) He's humbled. He knows his death. He knows what he's there for and he comes and he works with the churches. That's what I mean by humility. Great for Paul to do that. So when we talk with people, Many people, the greatest grief in their life is time. Wasted time. They think their time is being wasted. Oh, Pastor Mike, you know, I'll be 25 next week, you know. And people get grief, and I understand I'm not minimizing the pain. I completely get it. And the greatest grief in in many people's life, the pain, is that they It's like sand going through my fingers. All these years are being wasted. Well, if that's how you feel, you're not alone. (laughs) So I guess the quicker I let God do the work that he wants in me, create humility in me, and connect me with my future, the quicker I allow a proper evaluation of me in in the light of the Holy Spirit. Tell me the truth then. The quicker I change my thinking, the quicker I can actually have this new beginning. God is working on you in the gap. He is working on you. He's changing you. Remember Abraham. Abraham, he was not emotionally mature. 
Abraham was attached to his family in an unrealistic way. God said, Abraham, leave your family, leave your home, go to the place I will show. But he doesn't. He takes Lot and he takes the family with him. If any man loves their father or mother more than me, they're not worthy. So Abraham had to delay five years in his case, waiting there with Terah, his father, until his emotional maturity, if you like, was brought to a place where God was able to move him on now. And some of you are stuck because of emotional immaturity. Stuck because of an unrenewed mind. Stuck because you've never had a proper evaluation of these continuous cycle of experience. And then you lose hope. That's what happens. Then you give up, you just lose hope. And you say, well, what's the point? That's what they said last time. This is what happened last time. And that's the same hurdle that brought the mighty Moses down and left him in the desert, by the way. Never entered his future. Never entered 2021. Wouldn't make the change. Can't reboot his thinking. Stuck. Stuck in that season. This morning, I'm not asking you to seek God. This morning, I'm not asking you to seek God because I believe God is seeking you. He's taking the initiative here. What I want you to do is respond to God. Remember in the Garden of Eden, the two Adams, Adam in the Garden of Eden and the second Adam is Jesus Christ or the last Adam, Jesus Christ. Adam got off to a bad start. Put the wrong foot forward, Garden of Eden. This whole thing needs to start again. And look at the situation in the book of Genesis. Adam didn't seek God. It's very clear in scripture. At the right time, 2021, at the right moment, it says that God went looking for Adam. Adam, Adam, where are you? I want, I want to give you a new start. I want to help you make a new beginning. Adam can't believe it. I've messed up. I was afraid. So I'm hiding. Come out, Adam. And God slays a lamb. And he puts the blood on Adam's back. He says, you need a new start, Adam. You need a new beginning. And I'm coming to seek you to provide for that. I'm going to help you reach that new beginning. This morning is communion. You know that we're, we're talking about rebooting, restarting our lives. And that the next time won't be like the last time. Even restart your marriage if you need to. Restart your business. Restart your career. Restart relationships. Particularly, my wife was praying here this morning, particularly restart your relationship with God. <laughs> That's what she's been interceding for us. For us and you. Restart our relationship with God. The biggest reboot in history is this. It's the new covenant. The new covenant. Do you know around the table there's the 12 apostles, right? And one of them has a bad plan. <laughs> Remember? Judas is sitting there and he's got a plan. 
And it's not a good plan. Judas, you going to change? Going to have an evaluation? No. Don't want it. And he runs away, refusing to face the spotlight. And I don't know what plans you have. You need to sanctify your plans. Biblify your plans. God will give you a new start. Maybe you're in a gap. It can be a long gap. Sometimes that's okay. It's necessary. There's a difference. A big difference. In the old covenant. And the new covenant. The old covenant was between God and man. But the new covenant is between God the Father and God the Son. The old covenant was easily broken. Old covenant was in some sense partly relying on you. The old covenant was between God and man. But the new start, the new beginning, in the Last Supper, Jesus explains it so beautifully. The first Adam, he got off on the wrong foot, you know. He really messed up. So I'm going to start this thing all over again. And the second Adam, or the last Adam, Jesus Christ offers all of us a new beginning, a new start. What can take away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Just earlier we were praying and Mary said to me, she said something to me, she said, Mike, if the people renew their relationship with God, everything else will be fine. <laughs> Just get back to God. If they get into God, he's going to flow through their business, their family, their ministries, everything will be fine. And I say amen to that. Thank you for this new beginning of the new covenant in your blood. Father, thank you for sending your son to die for me. I acknowledge that I have no hope apart from Christ. I have no solution apart from your death and your resurrection. And Father, I ask you to forgive me and forgive all of us for any lack of faith in your goodness that I would give up hope that I would stop trying stop trying in ministry stop trying in marriage stop trying to be a better if I can say that Christian forgive me that's an insult to God's goodness that's what that is that's an insult to God's great goodness and today hope deferred makes the heart sick but a longing fulfilled that's a tree of life to you i'm not asking you to seek god i believe god's seeking you i'm asking you to respond to god and to believe again in the future next time doesn't have to be like the last time. 
I want you to emerge into 2021, the same as Moses came back from Midian, the same as Paul came back from Arabia, the same as Joseph came out of the prison. I want you to come back different, enter different, because God has done a work in you. Believe for that. Believe for greater and better things. So in every home, if you want to take hold of your bread and wine, <coughs> excuse me, first Adam <coughs> and the last Adam the first Adam screwed up well and truly and the glorious last Adam second Adam Jesus Christ offers me a wonderful new beginning and Jesus said do this do this believe in me believe again believe again next time can be different from last time because I'm going to be with you you're going to let me in in a deeper a deeper way Father I thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross I thank you for his death in my place that his blood was spilt to take away my sin and I believe that next year can be better than the previous year that the next version of me and us can be better because it's your will you're a good father a good God and I yield like these men in Scripture we have studied I yield today to your spirit to do a work in me let your grace reach every home every person watching You can go ahead and take the bread and wine. Thank you. At this point, I'd like to hand the meeting back to Pastor Emma. Thank you, everyone.